Hello and welcome to Tech UK's Cloud 2020 podcast. My name is Tom Henderson, Program Manager for Internet of Things and Smart Cities here at Tech UK. And today I'll be discussing the future of cloud computing in the UK with some of the UK's leading technologists. We'll be thinking about cloud adoption and deployment in government, the security dimensions of cloud and the cultural shifts needed to stimulate the UK's cloud computing ecosystem. Linking our discussion to Tech UK's recent Cloud 2020 and Beyond report, which sets out a number of recommendations for driving greater cloud adoption. To kick us off, I caught up with Mark Palmer of Google to learn more about cloud computing in the government sector and to discover how cloud adoption and deployment in government organizations might be enhanced. Next up, I got into conversation with Sean John at Microsoft to learn more about the security-related trends emerging across the UK's cloud computing ecosystem. Our discussion touched on trust in the security of cloud services, cyber awareness, and security-related skills in education. Finally, I met up with Karen Dura at IBM to discuss cultural shifts needed to stimulate cloud take-up in the UK, covering issues such as the development of cloud-related technical expertise and effective risk management strategies for using cloud-based solutions. So thank you, Mark, for uh, coming in and talking to us today. Maybe we could just kick off by uh, you giving us a little introduction to yourself and your role at Google, uh, and then we'll go from there. Thank you, Tom. Um, welcome, everybody. My name is Mark Palmer. I head the Google Cloud business for the public sector across the UK and Ireland. And that includes all of public sector, including healthcare. Brilliant. Um, so we'll jump straight in. Uh, and the first question that we wanted to ask you about was essentially, why is it uh, important to transition to cloud? And why is it so important for public sector organizations? Well, first of all, cloud has an economic benefit to the country, which is clearly very important to public sector as well. It increases productivity. Um, There's a digital transformation component, of course, which is very much talked about. Um, But also it improves the national competitiveness and job creation in the country. In fact, there has been a Deloitte study fairly recently that showed that SMEs, SMEs, small and medium enterprises, using cloud grow about 26% faster if they adopt cloud. So that is of fundamental importance to the economy of the country. Then specifically in the public sector, the reasons why we believe um, public sector entities should adopt cloud is, first of all, it enables our public services to be more joined up, more integrated, so they can deliver better services to citizens, be that in social welfare, in healthcare, in policing, whatever, also enables these entities to be more agile in delivering services that are in response to perhaps changes in policy, changes in government policy, or changes in demand from us citizens, um, being able to be more responsive to the demands of the electorate. Finally, as I'll talk about a little later, Um, It improves the security posture of our public services as well, we believe, in using the cloud. Last but not least, of course, it is more cost-effective to use the cloud. Um, It's a pay-as-you-go model. You can optimize your computing resources and so on. So there's many actual good reasons why we believe, and I strongly believe, that it's important for public sector customers to adopt cloud. Fantastic. So taking those factors into account, Have you noticed any increase in cloud adoption in the public sector in terms of is there a growing appetite and awareness for transitioning to the cloud? Absolutely, there is. In fact, since the UK government launched the cloud first policy in 2013, so six years ago already, we've seen an increasing appetite for cloud. In fact, I'm getting an awful lot of inbound calls and inquiries from public sector bodies asking about cloud and cloud adoption, how to get started. But already a number, a very large number of public sector organizations are well advanced in their use of cloud. Just five years ago, 80% of the um, IT in public sector in the UK was dominated by just eight large IT vendors. Since then, cloud adoption has broadened that significantly and introduced also a large number of small and medium enterprises into the supply chain for government. However, it's still only at the early stages. Most public sector bodies who have adopted cloud have started, obviously, with the low-hanging fruit, the easier areas to 
um, of bringing cloud, usually in infrastructure as a service, and also the more cloud-native um, applications rather than the legacy real heavy lifting applications like a national tax system, for example, which are very hard to migrate and require a lot of care and attention. But that's where the really interesting areas will come as we move into the next phase. But adoption has been pretty widespread, eager to understand and embrace this new technology, and largely because public sector is seeing that cloud has been very widely adopted in industry, in banking, and they can see that this is the future of um, technology and business-enabled transformation, really, to enable them to deliver a more responsive services, as we just touched on. And you spoke about the, the eagerness of the public sector to adopt cloud computing uh, solutions. But do you have any uh, concerns regarding the way that public sector organisations are adopting cloud? In terms of, are there any potential obstacles along the way to transitioning to cloud? So it's still early days, and in the early days of anything, there's always lessons to be learned, technologies mature, and I think the first area I would cover is the skills gap. There is clearly a need to keep up with the rapid and ever-increasing pace of the advance of technology, and that is hard for most organisations, in particular public sector organisations, to um, retain acquire those skills and keep them trained at the rapid pace of, of cloud advancement and the new products that us and others are bringing into the market at such a pace. So skills is um, a challenge. Um, and I do know that many public sector bodies are trying to address that, but that is, is, a, is hard. Um, the other area I think of concern I would highlight is the need for public sector more than any other uh, market sector to be very open in its adoption of cloud. And I mean that in the sense of avoiding vendor lock-in, um, adopting open source technologies, and um, being able to be open to integrate across the public sector to be able to make the most of the extensive data sets that exist in many parts of the public sector. Because once you start to bring those different data sets to bear, you can apply modern technologies like analytics and machine learning to really make a difference to the delivery of public services in the sense of providing more capacity, more efficiencies, and also being able to pinpoint and support the delivery of services, be that in frontline services like policing, like nursing, social welfare, all these are absolutely critical for the nation. And using those technologies can really enable those public sector workers to be more effective and, um, and really guide them in the support of their absolutely crucial work. So they're not concerns as such. These are just to be expected areas in the development of rapidly moving technologies and as people learn to embrace these technologies. But I think they're areas that's particularly skills and openness for the public sector to really look at and uh, consider in their embracing cloud moving forwards. Yeah, those factors which you mentioned are substantial causes for optimism. And I'm just wondering, have there been any specific innovations in recent years uh, that you will think ease this transition to cloud further? Yes, there are a couple in particular, Tom. The first one that comes to mind, which seems to be less talked about at the moment, um, is the sustainability agenda. In fact, at Google, all of our data centers are powered with 100% sustainable green electricity have been now for a couple of years since 2017 that was very high on the government's agenda a few years ago but there's other priorities at the moment but we shouldn't forget that we really mustn't forget that and that is really important um, sustainability is key and underlines a lot of everything we do here at google so that is the first area the second area also gets a lot of attention at the moment which is machine learning and artificial intelligence there isn't a day where i don't read the newspaper there's some discussion around this subject for good reasons. A lot of interest in it and a lot of customers talking to us about this subject. Um, for example, actually we're using that te technology to reduce the amount of energy used in the cooling of our own data centers. So there's a lot of great applications and really good use cases. And I think the first area of this application of this new technology in the public sector really depends around some key use cases 
in particular areas where we can help the public sector create more capacity in its workforce by addressing where are the key priorities for workers, such as care workers, which are the critical patients they should focus on, for example. These are more technologies used to advise our public sector workers and help them in the delivery of the day-to-day -day work. So these are innovations that are still very early in the life cycle. Um, we're seeing in our consumer lives, for example, in the use of our email and our interaction with home devices, what the power of this kind of technology is. We do need to take a lot of care in the introduction of these technologies, particularly into the public services, but it's very exciting. It's really exciting, the capabilities. And uh, we've got a number of projects underway in various uh, parts of the public sector to explore this and really understand the capabilities of this technology. But for me, I would pinpoint those two, machine learning, artificial intelligence, but also we mustn't forget the green and sustainability agenda. That's fascinating. And we've spoken a little bit about the kind of government procurement strategy and the investment case for cloud. And I'm just wondering what cost factors should the government be aware of when weighing up the business case for transitioning to cloud? What are the things that government should be looking to mitigate when it's considering doing this? Well, that's a very good question, actually, because actually cloud is so easy to adopt and consume. You can potentially end up in a scenario where you're spending more with cloud because at the end of the day you can use cloud with a swipe of a credit card. That's one of its advantages, it's easy to adopt, but also you need to manage and control that spend, particularly in very large government public sector bodies. We provide a lot of tools for these bodies to enable the control of that spend. But it's not just about the pricing-based metrics. Public sector procurement is rightly very regulated and there rightly does need to be a very large emphasis on the cost of cloud. My approach to this would be to encourage these customers to look at the total cost of ownership, not just of adopting cloud, but the capabilities of what cloud can deliver in the transformation of government services. And if you look at the cost in the round, then I think it produces a quite different equation to consider. So, for example, how can you leverage those data sources I referenced earlier to deliver better capabilities? Can you therefore um, treat more patients by adopting cloud technologies because you can deliver perhaps information across a, a wider subset of the population or do better health planning, um, for example? Can you leverage some technologies that cloud enables like APIs, application programming interfaces, to deliver better integration capabilities. These are quite hard for procurement people to actually measure in a procurement, so this is not easy. But trying to look at a bigger, wider picture, the total cost of ownership, rather than just trying to measure, for example, the cost of a virtual machine or a VM, which is very granular, and that is useful for some elements of benchmarking, but you can danger of missing the much bigger, wider picture and where the cost savings and benefits can really lie. That's brilliant. So in that context of demonstrating the value of cloud solutions, how important do you think it is to be able to visualize and manage uh, different cloud systems and to uh, enable public officials to coordinate cloud systems through centralized and intelligible uh, management systems? So choice and flexibility in the public sector is one of the top two or three criteria, along with security and data privacy, by the way. And in fact, is one of the key reasons why I joined this company not that long ago, because this particular cloud, the Google Cloud, is extremely open. And um, managing multiple different clouds, different vendors, as well as on-premise, or on-prem, as we, we often refer to it, is key moving forwards. As the adoption of cloud develops, Customers will want to move from one, maybe two cloud suppliers and on-prem to a mix, a much wider mix as well as on-prem because there's certain data sets in public sector in the government that have to stay on-prem. But there's also a large, large amount that can be in big public cloud vendors like ourselves. But to be able to manage that through one pane of glass efficiently and effectively to know where your data is, to be able to move between suppliers to avoid lock-in, is really important. It enables choice and also there's another aspect, it enables resilience. Government is always on. 
Government doesn't have a choice as to which citizens it can serve. It has to serve all of us, and it must always be there. So resilience is highly critical in government. Having a mix of on-premise and different cloud vendors is therefore, I think, key. We fully embrace this. We're very well known for our adoption uh, of open source. We put a lot of, of our own software into the open source community, not least Kubernetes, which is very well known, but many others, Istio and others. Um, and Google Kubernetes Engine is a mechanism for moving applications around very easily. It's very widely adopted in the industry now. It enables you to automate application deployment and manage those applications very effectively. As I said, it's an industry-wide standard. So therefore, you can, through this cloud, move your applications from your competitor's cloud to our cloud, to an on-prem cloud, and therefore work more effectively and manage your suppliers more effectively and efficiently. So I would say, Tom, that open cloud is absolutely critical, not just in the way you can move applications around, but in the way you can also integrate through APIs, um, build on others' work is really important, and build on open standards, which has been much talked about for many years by the public sector. Fantastic. Um, and you touched on the importance of resilience as a risk factor. And I'm just wondering what your opinion is on uh, security resilience as a risk factor and how important is it for public sector organizations to have appropriate information and cybersecurity uh, policies in place concurrently with the adoption of cloud? Well, it's very important. There's no question about that. And I'm quite proud to say that this government is very clear, firm, and very good at technically at managing that. I see a lot in this job, of course, what the government is doing. And I think I, I feel very proud of what this government and the stance it's taking. So there's no question it's important, Tom, first point. And I think citizens and the public should be pretty reassured what is happening. There are many, many threats out there of all sorts. And all of us be in our daily lives as consumers and citizens, or whether it's our employers or the government, everyone needs to take this extremely seriously. We do here at Google, and I can certainly say the British government does. Cloud helps to enhance security. CIOs are increasingly realizing that the public cloud, the hyperscale vendors like ourselves, and these highly distributed cloud environments is actually a way to increase security and reliability. Deloitte, but also more recently Gartner, have issued reports that show that workloads in public clouds suffer 60% on average fewer security incidents than traditional data centers. In Google, we take security extremely seriously. In fact, if anyone had attended one of our large Google Cloud events in California or that's coming up in London, you will see as you walk through the front door, security first, a huge banner, and that's how seriously we take it. It is the first thing we think about at many, many levels through the entire cloud, starting with the hardware. We put our own hardware, our own chips, into our own data centers to manage and control access and security through the operating systems, through the systems management software that we deploy, authentication, auditing, monitoring. Every single bit of data, whether it's what we call that rest or in motion, is encrypted in the Google Cloud, not just once, but twice. So we take it extremely seriously. And we would say that in many cases, the large public cloud is more secure than customers trying to manage security themselves. We have very many uh, professional security professionals monitoring our own networks globally. And uh, this we take extremely seriously, as does the public sector. So I think there's no question it's at the top of the agenda. Brilliant. So uh, looking to the future, um, are there any emerging use cases or examples of how cloud-based solutions could be applied to uh, the public sector? Yes, there are. There are many. And in fact, I'm pleased I wasn't born earlier, to be honest, because as I see the advances of technology, I can see that as I move towards older age of life, that some of this technology could make a real difference to all of us in delivery of healthcare, the identification of disease, the prioritization of patients so you can get to see the right person quicker if you need it. And I feel quite reassured, actually, that 
what I can see happening within Google in areas with artificial intelligence and machine learning. I'm just hoping that technology accelerates even quicker before I get too old. So, for example, in areas of what we refer to and the NHS refers to as population health management, if you take the population of the UK, what are we now, 65, 70 million people in the, across the UK, how do you deploy and prioritise your resources? Where do you put the right kind of healthcare skills and capacity in the country and how do you respond to the kind of issues that the public are starting to see? I mentioned diabetes earlier, cancer care, stroke and heart attack. Unfortunately for us human beings, these are the conditions that will affect the majority of us, as we, particularly as we get older in life. And so trying to understand how those conditions develop, where they are prevalent, and how you deploy your healthcare resources, and then ultimately how you can start to intervene, because if someone goes in to see their GP or clinician with one kind of condition and their weight, exercise, their lifestyle, et cetera, indicates they might be at risk of something else, then we would like to see, I'm sure, as the population, more intervention because we would all like to delay the onset of any disease type. So the technologies that cloud enables largely around big data, the collection of huge data sets and the application of machine learning technologies to enable clinicians and care workers to get better insights into what might be happening to us, I think is really exciting. I think it's about the quality of our elderly age and our, our life. Um, and I think this technology brings the ability for clinicians and researchers to deliver that. And the final question we have for you today is in a similar vein. So it's about cross-sector collaboration. And we wanted to get your perspective on why it is important uh, for government to continue engaging with industry during the development of guidance for future cloud adoption in the public sector. Well, I've been in the IT industry hmm, 36 years, and I've seen the IT industry evolve prior to PCs through mainframes, mini computers, distributed networks, the internet. I've seen everything, but I have never, ever seen such acceleration of pace and change like there is now. And therefore, it becomes increasingly important for the public sector to stay very close to industry because the speed of change just makes it really hard to keep up, even if you work in the industry, as I do. Just keeping on top and up to speed with the latest technologies, their capabilities, how you can really deploy them for true business value, how can you really change the business outcomes of the public sector with these new technologies, is really what matters. Public sector officials, therefore, need to stay close to industry to understand how to leverage these technologies to ultimately deliver better services to all of us. As I think I said at the beginning, Tom, whether that is how we, we address the ever-increasing burden on social welfare, particularly of the elderly, how we can keep people out of hospital, help to deliver better health care in the home, be that preventative health care to stop us getting sick in the first place from challenging issues such as diabetes. These kind of technologies can start to bring together different data sets to help us really make a difference to public services. But it is really quite technical in many areas. I've touched on Kubernetes, for example. Unless you're quite technical, you won't really understand the power of what that can really do and how you can therefore architect all the different systems within a public sector body to be able to leverage the capabilities that sit and the power that sits within the data that government holds. And I think that would be my final point, is there's so much, so much information locked away in many, many data silos across the public sector that if only we could liberate that information securely, then I believe it can really make a transformational difference to the delivery of public sector services. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Mark, for agreeing to talk to us. Uh, it's really insightful and we look forward to uh, further work with you in the future. Thank you, Tom. It's been a real pleasure to meet you and to speak to the team Tech UK. And look forward to future podcasts. So, Sean, 
thank you for coming in today and for discussing this topic with us. It's a really interesting topic, so we're going to be talking about the cloud security uh, issues. You're a champion of diversity in uh, computing. You have over 25 years worth of experience. And I just wondered if you could give us a bit of an introduction to your role and where you see the industry at the moment. Yeah, so I'm the uh, director for EMEA and Asia Pacific of cybersecurity strategy at Microsoft. Um, and really that role involves going around talking to our customers about their strategy, what they're trying to do. And really, actually one of the major things there is how do you adopt cloud securely and, and do the right thing and keep, keep the world, keep themselves protected as their organizations move to the cloud. Brilliant. And so the first kind of topic that we wanted to speak about was trust in cloud services and trust in the security of cloud services. And so I just wondered whether you've seen a shift in the level of trust that consumers and businesses uh, and individuals in general have in the security of cloud services. Yes, there has been a shift over the last few years. And I think it's because people have become more aware of what the cloud service is and how it operates. I think it's uh, Rachel Botsman I saw do a really, talks really well about trust and about the fact that trust is needed when you have an absence of information. And as people become more aware of, of what the cloud is capable of and how it operates in it, not just being this nebulous thing called cloud, then trust increases. There's still some concerns because things that are on-premise you can see, you can touch, you know how they operate. And as it goes into cloud, you have to start using other controls and connecting in other ways. And when people have spent, what, 20, 30 years in an enterprise building up certain ways of doing security, then there's some challenges in actually how will changing for the cloud actually affect that. And then from the consumer perspective, uh, there's obviously a lot of headlines about breaches that nearly always result from people using their dog's name as a password, but they still blame the cloud service ultimately for it. And, and obviously not all clouds are equal. So there's, in the consumer space in particular, there's lots of uh, services that call themselves cloud services, but you know, software as a service type offerings that are really just poorly designed and poorly secured, and then obviously that affects the entire industry. Brilliant. And if you're an organization that's starting out and you're thinking about adopting cloud, what's kind of a good first step for that organization to take? Um, so one is to actually work out what you're adopting the cloud for. So it's effectively to think, you know, one of the things we hear a lot is people saying, just going cloud first, but they're not sure why and what the reason is. It really needs to be driven by a use case and how it's going to operate. And then thinking about, you know, how am I going to move the workloads? How am I going to make things operate? Will that actually change the way I operate? Quite often that might be for the better from a productivity point of view. And it can be for the better from a security point of view. But if you understand what the capability are, capabilities and how to make the best use of it. I mean, in a cloud, there's a shared responsibility model. So you need to be really clear about what is the cloud provider's responsibility and what's your responsibility, how you're going to make the best use of that service and how you're going to secure it. Brilliant. Okay, so the next part was to do with how security concerns are becoming more embedded in uh, organizations and how organizations are adapting the security concerns of cloud. In terms of an organization-wide kind of risk-based approach to embedding cloud services in a company, what have you seen recently or any good examples of cloud adoption, good best practice cloud adoption that you can share with us? But the, the, the this, when people actually take that full risk-based approach that you see a, a diff different way of dealing with cloud. So they actually look at what is it that the service is being adopted for, what are the outcomes that are driven, how to make that operate in the way it was designed, but then look at what controls are needed to protect identities, information, devices connecting to that system, and then making sure that those controls are in place, whether they're native within the cloud provider or a third party. And that's the, the opposite to where it's not done well is where people just start with the controls they've historically had, which were uh, on-premise controls, and then try and really shoehorn the cloud service into that rather than thinking about how does moving to the cloud service actually affect my risk profile? Are there things I need, maybe need to turn up in my existing controls or are there things I need to change and adapt? So that best practice really is when you take that risk-based approach, looking at it from what the organization as a whole is trying to do, why they're adopting the service, and then making sure that the appropriate controls are in place to protect the organization. Brilliant. So more broadly, if we're thinking about the key issues that we need to address now, uh, in the short term to ensure that cloud adoption and cloud services are being used securely, what are the key things that we need to look at? 
Um, so one is, in terms of looking at, at cloud services, as you move beyond the on-premise, identity becomes absolutely the core perimeter. Uh, it's, it's quite often been the poor man of security. It's sort of done, but you know, not necessarily done as well as it could be. And absolutely getting a, a good identity strategy, knowing how you're going to prove people are who they say they are as they go to a cloud service and getting the right access is absolutely core to any cloud strategy. Then it is a case, again, of looking at what is it I'm trying to do? What what information maybe is going to sh into that cloud service? Is it sensitive? Have I got the appropriate protection around it? Do I know that it's it's basically going into a place where only the right people can access it at the right time? If it is shared with third parties, that a protection stays around that. And then also then looking at the devices connecting to the cloud service, making sure they're clean and they're in a good state. That's really the, the sort of three core things. And then the fourth one, obviously, making sure that you've configured the cloud service to get the best security uh, capable. There's a lot of capabilities and options and things that you could do in cloud services. Um, some of them are turned on the default and others aren't because they need to be adjusted to the organization. And so really it's about looking at those controls that are built into that service, making sure that they're enabled and, and not necessarily just trying to push the cloud through the existing controls. Sometimes that's the right answer and sometimes it's about a mixture of on-premise um, and cloud. And then the core challenge from a security perspective is how do I get visibility of what's going on both on-premise and across the many different clouds that people may be adopting. And so the next part, going to think about the, uh, the future of cloud again. And obviously, cloud computing isn't the only technology emerging at this point. And so a key thing to think about for uh, decision makers in the future is how cloud will intersect with other technologies. We've seen that we're kind of at the advent of AI and uh, machine learning. And so I just wondered how you think that those two technologies will intersect with cloud computing over the coming years. So really the expansion of AI is driven by cloud because obviously AI as a discipline has been around for many years, but what makes AI really powerful is a volume of data and a, and a large amount of computing power. What do you get in a cloud service? A large volume of data and a large amount of computing power. So I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of the AI services that we're seeing are being driven by organizations such as Microsoft and others and built on top of our cloud services because effectively that gives you the power that's needed for AI. That's one side of it. Uh, then things like IoT as well, as you start to put devices and sensors everywhere, actually connecting them up to a cloud service is arguably more secure than trying to connect them back into an on-premise network and environment and exposing your on-premise. So actually a secure, hardened, uh, so I was using the Microsoft uh, parlance here, but the intelligent cloud and the intelligent edge where you've got the devices, the IoT connected back into the cloud and you're actually using the data combined with the sensors together to get yeah, best productivity, but actually to build security in as well. I think that's that's two key ones at the moment. And obviously mobile and cloud are, are pretty much two sides of the same coin. They've been around for, for ages. And I think we're at the beginning of AI now. So we're still at the machine learning stage, maybe at the beginning of chatbots and integration, but it's then looking at how that's going to grow and, and actually uh, the thing we say at Microsoft is, is definitely augmenting humans, not replacing humans, helping to people to do more, not uh, automating people out of the workplace. So that kind of, again, leads on to the next point about building up the right infrastructure in the UK to support cloud adoption and deployment. Uh, and one of the big components of that is ensuring that people have the right skill base uh, to promote cloud and adopt it. Um, and so I'm just wondering your perspective on how education plays a role in ensuring the security of the cloud and ensuring that we build up the cloud to be adopted securely in the future. I think it's absolutely essential. And it, it, obviously, we've, we've got the challenge of trying to get people to adopt technology in education and really understand it, particularly at the sort of secondary school, primary school end. So just getting people interested in technology at that level. And then at the sort of university level, and I'm not sure how much cloud is actually taught at a university level yet. Uh, and I think that's really key to start talking about, yes, talk about the traditional architectures and things as building blocks, but then also talk about the impact of cloud, what that means, how people can architect that well um, and then secure it. And it's not just about uh, education, though. I think there's professional training opportunities as well. So things like the, the ISE squared having a specialist cloud certification now. Obviously, Microsoft, we've got. Um, you know, Azure Foundation cloud certifications, AWS have them. So effectively, those sort of 
they all have the specifics about the cloud service, but they also have the principles underneath it. So there's a few things. There's obviously educating the educational system that I think we really need as well to evolve our professional skills for those of us already in the industry. And, and one of the areas where that's most important, I think, is in is in probably risk management and security architecture. So in terms of security architecture, I mean, architecture in general, but I think architecture in general is beginning to become more cloud aware. I think it's when you get into security architecture, it's not necessarily caught up with a cloud yet. And I think that's areas we need to work on. And that's where professional bodies and technology uh, organisations such as Tech UK can really help to make that happen. Brilliant. Next, we're going to think about uh, the global uh, focus of cloud, because obviously cloud doesn't evolve in uh, an isolated ecosystem. It's part of a much broader ecosystem uh, of global uh, networks of cloud computing. And so we're kind of wondering how uh, you think the UK can stand out in a globally competitive cloud market and what you think the UK government or uh, UK technologies uh, companies can do to support the adoption of cloud and become uh, more competitive on global stage. I mean, obviously, there's, there's two sides to cloud. One is being a cloud provider. Um, doing that is quite hard because if you look at, there's a reason why there's a few global ones, because it's not cheap to build a big cloud data center. Uh, and when we think about data centers and cloud, we tend to think of them as the old co-location areas with a bunch of servers. That is not what a cloud data center is like. So it's not like get a few servers and build them and then, hey, you've got a cloud service. It's a whole software-defined fabric that's very different. So if there are organisations that are ready to do that, that's great, but that's going to be a harder, more barriers of entry to that, harder to adopt. But there's a lot of scope for the UK becoming leaders in cloud. And, you know, maybe in that area, but actually I was talking about that shared responsibility model for cloud. There's expertise needed in how do people architect that? How do people make it work? How do I turn on the right controls, make sure that everything's happening in, a, in the correct way, particularly in a regulated environment? And then actually effectively maybe helping people as they build out multi-cloud strategies and work across different environments in terms of um, brokers of data, brokers of security, sharing across different um, use cases or instances. So the, the, is, we don't always have to focus on becoming a large cloud provider. I mean, it'd be great if a British one came. I say that even though I work for Microsoft. But it, it, even if that's not the case, you don't have to wait for that. There's, there's I think, a real shortage of companies that have expertise in helping people to build and architect solutions on the cloud and that's something that actually from a a building industry building out we've got some great expertise here in the uk very low barriers of entry because pretty much there's what quite a few major cloud providers that you can work across and build solutions on um actually either just building cloud hosted solutions or actually assisting customers in that move towards cloud i think that's an area where we should really focus on as well. Yeah, if we happen to build our own cloud service, that's great. But I think if every country in the world build their own cloud service, it's not necessarily going to operate. But the not going to work, I think, is the word I'm looking for, isn't it? So, yeah, it, it's it's a it's a, a look at all the options, uh, including the fact that we have got some very strong expertise. I would argue that uh, the UK has some of the strongest consulting. Uh, expertise of, of anywhere in the world and we should really make the best use of that to help customers and, and help organizations and help the UK really adopt and be the leading edge of the use of cloud. No it's incredibly insightful and just uh, wanted to say thank you for coming in again uh, and for giving uh, your insights on the way that the cloud industry in the UK is evolving. Really inspiring stuff to see uh, someone working so diligently and uh, ambitiously about the future of the UK. So uh, thank you for, uh, again, for coming in and discussing this topic. Great, thanks very much. Thank you. So Karen, thank you very much for coming down to Tech UK's offices to do this podcast. Uh, we're really excited to have you here. Perhaps we could just kick off with you giving us a brief introduction to your role and your position uh, at IBM. Hi Tom, so good morning and thanks for the opportunity. So my name's Karen Dewar and I am Vice President of Cloud and Cognitive Technical Sales in UK and Ireland. And uh, myself and my technical team work with uh, clients across a broad spectrum of industries to help them understand how IBM's cloud and cognitive capabilities can actually assist them in their uh, digital transformation journeys.
So the first question that we have is to do with uh, why is cloud computing such an important capability for organizations to invest in developing? Yeah, great. So I think, um, you know, fundamentally, cloud computing fuels innovation. It's an enabler. So essentially enabling new ways of working and, uh, you know, supporting the implementation of new and innovative business models that can really create new markets um, or capture market share in, in existing markets. Uh, I think um, essentially the other key component from my perspective is it, it really levels the business playing field. So no longer is access to large amounts of data and you know massive compute the domain of large organizations so it, it really is an enabler from a business perspective across you know a broad spectrum of businesses from the largest to to the smallest i think done right obviously cloud can help realize cost benefits so uh, so i think that's another you know sort of very interesting area that um, you know businesses can take advantage of and um, i think one of the other factors that you know we don't often talk about but that I'd like to mention here as well is that cloud adoption is actually good for the environment. So it reduces energy consumption, waste and carbon emissions. So I can talk, you know, again from a, a couple of examples that, that I'm aware of in our business. So our hybrid cloud business, you know, over the last few years has reduced the number of, of servers that we have from seventy thousand down to twenty thousand. So we've been on this massive consolidation journey um, you know putting all of this uh, workload into our uh, six of our big sort of internal data centers. And this has achieved a 67% reduction in energy consumption. So that's 160,000 megawatts per year and also avoided um, 161,000 metric tons of CO2 emissions per year. So there's, you know, real, I would say, environmental uh, benefit to, to cloud computing and, and uh, you know, a number of things that we can do there. I also think the, the, the use cases that we, we don't um, think about as well are the things like the application of AI, for example, which is enabled by cloud. So we're starting to see clients like Smart Rural, who are an agricultural company that helps farmers um, you know, make efficient use of their resources. Um, essentially, they've been um, you know, moving and, and adopting um, our cloud technology and um, you know, migrating their analytics platform to the IBM Cloud and taking advantage of some of our services there, they've been able to achieve better crop yields, they've realized a 25% reduction in water use, and also, very importantly, a 50% reduction in, in fertilizer use. And of course, fertilizers are one of the key uh, you know, areas that, that can have quite a large environmental impact. So, so I think it's really, from an environmental perspective, a very um, important technology. And so I think, you know, in summary, cloud is or should be one of the fundamental building blocks of any business, large or small. Thank you, Karen. That's really interesting. So looking to the future and thinking about the last few years, um, have you noticed any recent technical developments in the way that cloud computing can be adopted or deployed? Um, I'm not so sure I'd, I'd want to focus in on any specific technical developments. I think, uh, you know, it's generally acknowledged now in the market that businesses are adopting cloud in many cases, and, and they'll be looking to implement a sort of hybrid multi-cloud based architecture. So essentially, some workload will be on prem, you know, private clouds, we'll have some workload on public cloud. And then from a cloud provider perspective, um, you know, businesses leveraging capabilities from two or three or even more um, cloud providers. So that's great from a business perspective because you have this choice um, and, and flexibility in terms of where you're placing your workload and data. But of course, those kind of environments can lead to um, something that becomes very complex and difficult for you to, to manage, to secure. And I think that really is now driving um, this requirement for simplicity and consistency which uh, things like open source technologies can, um, can provide. And I think you, know, you need to be thinking about what are the technologies that you can, you know, your enterprise container platform, for example, will that run on-prem, on your private clouds, and then across a large number of, of um, you know, cloud providers to give you that flexibility of moving workload and, uh, you know, and, and data around. So I, I would say it's it's really important now that you think about those type of technologies and, and some of your technology choices to make sure that you do have that flexibility going forward without 
the cost of, of uh, you know, and, and the complexity of having to manage different disparate, um, you know, technologies and standards. That's really insightful. And so our next question is to do with uh, what steps can organizations take to enhance their understanding, skills or experience in order to make the right decisions about cloud services and offer? Yeah, so I think you need to be flexible in your thinking and monitor market changes and, and your needs. So, um, you know, technology is constantly evolving and, and so are your business requirements. So I think, you know, cloud themes change as well on a yearly basis. New technologies coming out, um, we're very open source driven. Um, 2017, we were very focused on PaaS. Uh, 2018, there was a lot of focus around containers, container adoption. And now, of course, in 2019, um, you know, the key theme is, is, is multi-cloud. So, you know, you need to understand the main differentiators um, between the different, um, you know, offerings available. And I think look at the details. So, you know, quite often the wording is similar. So people will talk about hybrid cloud, but is it uh, hybrid cloud as in hybrid mono cloud or hybrid cloud is actually multi-cloud? So, you know, do you have the opportunity to take any technology that you're picking and deploy that out across this plethora of on-prem and, and different public cloud environments? Um, I think, you know, also compare the capabilities in the context of your specific business problems and, and you know, an application that you want to move, um, you know, what do you actually need in, in terms of, you know, the capabilities to move that application to the cloud and make it successful. I think what I see certainly in a lot of clients is that, um, you know, essentially we're, we're getting a sort of, um, you know, a, sort of almost religious vendor discussions coming into play. So it's more about, you know, emotion picking, uh, you know, the, the cloud rather than, um, and, the, and the capabilities that you're looking for, rather than actually rationally looking at, this is what I need, these are the capabilities that are on offer, I'm gonna pick it based on those um, particular criteria. So, you know, so really you need to make sure you don't have your teams move ahead of any strategic decision you make and start adopting technologies and, plowing ahead before you've actually been able to sit back and think about, you know, what are those capabilities uh, that, that, that I actually need and is this the right fit for my um, business? So, um, yeah, so I think that, that from my perspective are the key factors to consider. Brilliant. Um, and you spoke about the specific business problems uh, and solutions uh, that can be benefited by the adoption of cloud. Um, and I'm just wondering, how can business leaders ask the right questions and know who to trust as a service provider? So I think the key question from my perspective is, you know, for any choice that you make, is how reversible is my decision further down the road? Uh, you know, as I say, you really don't want to be locking yourself into, uh, you know, a specific course um, or, or technology. So, um, you know, am I locking myself in commercially or technically, um, you know, can I adapt my strategy and switch cloud providers in six months' time if I don't like the commercial terms or, you know, I'm unhappy with the technology direction that that um, cloud provider is, is going in? And I think the other key thing that sometimes catches clients out is that, you know, quite a lot of cloud providers now are charging for data ingress and egress. So how much is it actually going to cost you to put your data in or take your data out of that cloud? So you need to also think about your data architecture and potentially some of the costs involved around, um, you know, around that when you're selecting your, uh, your um, cloud providers and platforms. Great. Now thinking strategically, how can business leaders integrate cloud computing into their risk management strategies? So I think, um, you know, managing risk in the cloud may seem quite overwhelming. So you, it, it feels more complex. There's a lot more endpoints that you need to worry about, that you need to secure and monitor and manage. But I think in some respects, moving workload to the cloud actually offers opportunities to perhaps streamline things, automate things, and actually simplify your environment. So it, it could be a good thing if you plan it and, and execute that, that move well. Um, I think obviously from a risk management perspective, you know, in the past, we're very used to sort of everything's under our control and we need to think about how we're going to manage that risk and what levels are acceptable. I think first step in terms of moving to the cloud is to know what aspects your cloud provider has responsibility for, because obviously you're now in a, a sort of more of a, a partnership now with, with uh, you know, the cloud provider 
um, providing the service and then also being responsible for some of the, the security and the management of, of that service that you're getting from them. So step number one is, you know, really understand that sort of shared responsibility uh, and, and split of responsibilities from a cloud provider perspective. Um, I think the other thing as well is, is really, you know, essentially cloud services need to be assessed, monitored, managed properly. So just like on-prem. So, so at some level, you know, it, it's not this big, scary, different thing that you have to do. It's, it's basically, in a way, business, business as usual. So, um, you know, so, you know, moving to cloud may help decrease the risk from a security perspective. But the core issues are the same, you know, you still need to secure applications, manage your users and your access controls, you know, understand your vulnerabilities, protect your data, you know, monitor for nefarious activity and respond effectively when, when the worst happens. So um, I think organizations have to, you know, one of the key things that we are sort of seeing with a lot of our clients is that, you know, some of their, um, especially security tools, um, and, and other tools and processes can be quite fragmented. So I think you need to start looking for um, capabilities um, and, and, and tools and services that um, you know, can be extended to effectively function across all of that cloud estate, including your on-prem private cloud um, estate. Great, so our last question is about uh, building up capability within organizations. And I'm just wondering how important you think it is to boost the number, talent, and diversity of cloud professionals in the UK? So, I mean, extremely important. And I think at some level, perhaps cloud, again, is, is not any different to any, you know, of, of the other mainstream technologies that we've had to, you know, cope with and adopt over the last in number of years. So I think, you know, the one aspect that I, I would pick out here is, is, is really around the diversity aspect, because if you think about it from, from an artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence perspective, I think you know there's a lot of concern in the market at the moment around building bias into a lot of the you know the sort of AI algorithms and uh, capabilities that we're launching. So I think the more diverse your skills are and that uh, population of, of people that you have working around, you know, from, from a cloud professional's perspective, the more likely you are to make sure that uh, you you have less of that bias built in, and um, you know, and you can really. Um, come up with um, services that can be well trusted, I think, by the people using them. And of course, I think trust drives adoption. So it's a very key component there. Brilliant. Well, thank you again for coming in and discussing this with us. It's a really interesting topic and it's great to have your insights. Uh, so thank you again. Fabulous. And thank you for the opportunity. Thank you to Mark, Sean and Karen for their insights on where we are today and where we may be heading as we look to 2020 and beyond. Looking to the future, you can learn more about the future of cloud adoption and deployment in the UK by coming to our upcoming Cloud 2020 event, where you have the chance to hear more from Mark, Sean and Karen. Do come along and be part of Tech UK's work on the future of cloud. You can also find more by searching for Cloud Week on our website. And if you'd like to learn more about the work that Tech UK is doing to promote cloud computing, then you can follow our hashtag future of cloud on social media or get in touch with the team directly. Thank you for listening.